Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for Muncie First Brethren Church with Pastor Jim Garrett. This week we continue our series in the Gospel of John. The religious leaders are enraged when Jesus equates himself with God. Here we find Jesus declaring he and the Father are one. Here's Pastor Garrett. So many powerful ways to see just this expression, Hosanna, God save us. Then the, 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 the fact that in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of the things that we are going through, he promises that we can come to, to him and in his presence. That's where the fears are removed. That's where we find strength. Anybody here need strength today? Or Yeah? It says, you don't have to be strong to come to me. He says, come to me now. That's, that's, and that is, that is the biblical framework that as we come to him, that it's in his presence. Isaiah 40, we sang in the first song that he gives strength to weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those are the expressions of trust and faith that are rooted in the fact that that's who God is. And that's always the perspective that we, we, we must have. I'll say it that way, but it's always the challenge to make that a working part of our thinking and, and our faith. The, the framework that, that moves us in, through our days, teaches us to navigate what is going on. Remember, we saw Jesus at the end of this account where he healed the man on the Sabbath, told him to take up his mat and walk, and how upset the religious leaders were that he would dare to violate their understanding of the Sabbath instructions, the Sabbath laws, and tell this man to do some sort of work. And it's interesting that even as you examine what the man was doing, in a technical sense, you could say, well, it was work for him to pick, pick up his mat and walk. Now, would Jesus ask someone to do something that would violate the, 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 what the Father had put together? Absolutely not. We can say that with confidence. So then it must be that we've misunderstood or that they misunderstood what the Sabbath was for. So for this man to take up his mat, walk, and go home was not a violation of what God had invited people to do in enjoying the rest that he gave, but that in fact was an expression of that. That walking and, and doing those things was not uh, uh, him trying to make it out, make out for himself. It was trusting God for the healing that was his, and he got to go home. There's some, there's really, as I was thinking about it this week, there's some, some deep extrapolations from that fact. Go home, rest. It's, it's what the Father invited people to do. But the religious leaders thought that somehow a relationship was garnered, was, was found by obeying the rules. And the rules that they had constructed, at times you'll see Jesus confront them and say, you guys are... Are, are, are doubly worse because you're like the blind leading the blind. You, you've created this load for people to carry, but you don't even carry it yourselves. It can't be done. There's no way to, to, to have a relationship with the Father apart from what the Father has said it takes. That's what Jesus is going to talk about in every single dialogue that we've seen from 
especially John 3 with the woman at the well, now in John 5 with religious leaders, John 6 when he, he's going to feed the 5,000, walk on water, and then he's going to talk to them. The, the, the biggest part of the chapter deals with talking to those who want him to be their king because he fed their bellies, he made them full, and he's going to say, no, this is what the Father requires, that you believe on the one he has sent. I am the bread of life that the Father, on whom the Father has set his seal of approval, FDA approved, Father approved. I don't know what the D stands for. I'm just making it up as I go. But it's Father approved, that, that this is where you find life. And he says, so don't look for bread that's here today and gone tomorrow. That's everything else we would go after. And in John 7, when he goes, talks to his brothers about their unbelief, their kind of their sarcasm, I, I think is, we'll see when we get there. I, it's kind of my take on, on their approach to Jesus. Well, aren't you going to go up to the feast? That's where you should be. Aren't you the Messiah? And he said, no, my time's not now. You can go whenever because nothing, there's nothing at stake for you. Jesus does go to the feast, stands up and says, as the high priest is presenting this offering of, you know, this, this prayer and offering of, of blessing to say, bless us as we move from this. They brought up a, a, some water from the pool of Siloam and they were pouring it out. And Jesus stands up, it says, in the middle on the greatest day, the biggest day of the feast. And he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. Similar to what he said to the woman at the well, but it actually says he's yelling this to everyone, saying, I have this, I am this source of water. Come to me and you won't thirst again. That would have been huge. But just the invitation, come to me. They don't have to have all the answers. They don't have to have, have to figure it out. That's what the Father presents in Jesus. So Jesus now, upon being questioned about his authority, they, they don't like it that he's challenging their rules of the Sabbath. And that he made himself equal with God. So Jesus goes in and he's, he's going to now say, oh, you think that's what makes me equal with God? Let me show you some more. If they weren't angry already, they're going to be especially angry after he, he lays down these three areas where his equality with God speaks to the very essence of who God is, his activity, what he wants to accomplish and that he is an expression of that, a direct expression of that. So in verse 19, we finished with verse 18 last week. That was just my verse of segue, verse kind of review. In verse 19, he says, he gave them this answer. Remember, they're upset that he violated rules of the Sabbath. They want to kill him. He made himself equal with God. So he gave them this answer. Very truly, this is that Truly, truly, amen, amen, let it be so. This is the way it is. I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. So he, he's in essence saying, what, when you question my authority, don't, don't look at just what I am presenting. See where it's connected. When we go to the next section, and he's talking about the witnesses that verify what God has presented in his son, that's exactly what he's going to challenge them to do or invite them to do. It's interesting, when you see Jesus as an expression of God's promise, it's an invitation. When you see Jesus as a threat to what you have established, he's a challenge. 
And it reminded me this morning because another passage we, we looked at in our Sunday school class had to do with Psalm 118 and then 1 Peter 2. And there it says that the stone the builders rejected has become what? The cornerstone, the very foundation of all that God is giving and all, that, all the building that will be done. The builders rejected the stone, but God made him the cornerstone. And Peter goes on to say that the very stone that becomes that which gives us life and we become living stones to those who don't believe, he becomes the stumbling block. On one hand, the stone where you stand. The other hand, the stone where you fall. And that's all that Jesus is saying here. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be one that falls over me or stands with me? Stand on the truth. Be tripped up by the truth. It's still truth. It doesn't matter where you end up. And it's not up to us. It's, again, the perspective that we have as the fulfillment of what God has done. So Jesus says, I'm not doing this by myself. The son can't do anything except what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Wow, this would have been. So you guys think I'm, I'm, I'm implying that I'm equal with God? Let me show you what this equality looks like. Everything you think the father is, he is more and he's expressed it in one specific way through the Son. And the Son only does that which he sees the Father do. Oh my goodness. You can just see them grinding their teeth right now and, and saying, how dare you? The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. It's not to, it's not to in fact... And, and this is an important point here. It's not to, to say the son is something he is, but it's actually because the father wants you to see and be amazed. He wants you to know his plan. Isn't that amazing? Everything that he accomplishes through Jesus is not to create a religion around Jesus. It's to create a relationship with those who would stand on that truth. And he says the same thing to them here. He says, this is how much the Father cares about you. Yes, he expresses himself through the Son. He loves the Son. He wants the Son to be that reflection of who he is. But it's for you. So you will go, wow. We've lost that sense of just looking at Jesus and going, wow. But that's exactly what the Father wanted and desired through these expressions and through the things that he gave him to do. And again, for those who had constructed something else, had done their own building without the plan of the Father, Jesus represented a threat. They wanted to end his life. At this early in the ministry, they were ready to kill him. And, and they didn't deny that Jesus healed the man that was laying there by that pool at Bethesda. How dare he make him or ask him to carry his mat and walk home? Just, it just boggles the mind. So here's another way he's equal. He's going to talk about it in terms of life, this expression of life. The father raises the dead, gives them life. Even so, the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. His pleasure is in giving life to any who will come to him. And there's two ways this is going to be applied by Jesus. 
The first is that he does give spiritual life. To any who accept him, it's an offer of life. But then he's going to talk about it in terms of, of, of the resurrection and, and eternity and what that means, that the parallel path here of our spiritual life that we receive through faith in Christ is then this eternity, physical life with him that he promises is connected. And so he's going to talk then about judgment. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Here's where he's drawing the parallel. And so he says that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. They'll recognize that this authority lies within God the Father for certain, but God has transferred that authority or conveys that authority through his Son. The Son has the same authority as the Father, but it is a flow. And this is important to see. We don't want to dissect the Son from the Father, nor do we want to see this equality as something where they... God has chosen to operate in this realm through the Son, through the physical realm, to us. It's important that it be that way. And Jesus, as the Son of God, recognizes this. I only do that which my Father is doing. Later, he's going to say, I only say what I hear my Father saying. Because that's what the Father has expressed. That's how the Father has, has, has moved and conveyed and, and brought to be that which he has promised. So this honor, the elevation, it belongs to the Son and the Father, but they are connected. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Here's the other connection. So at the place of authority, he says it's a flow and it's the same and this honor is, it, it, it belongs to both. But if you don't honor Jesus, you cannot honor God the Father. If, and, and we will see explicitly, he will say, if you reject the Son, you reject the Father. To reject the Father is to reject the Son. Folks, I cannot tell you that's why it's so critically important to me to, um, it bears repeating, and I know I say it a lot. You cannot claim belief in God while rejecting Jesus as the sent son of God, as the savior of God, and, and claim that somehow you have a relationship apart from him. Jesus is saying, this is the only reason I have come. The only reason I die on this cross is to establish this relationship that the Father has promised. And all he asks you to do is believe. Without, the, the moment you reject Jesus as Savior, Whatever you think you believe about God, it's false. It's false. Don't coddle someone, and, and there's ways to not coddle someone without being mean or, or, or you know, bashing them over the head. But if someone says, well, I believe in God, but I'm just not sure you have to accept Jesus, what, what's the first thing that you need to recognize? They don't know God. Okay? 
So you don't even have to challenge that. You, you bring them back to the claims of Jesus. And that's where you say, well, you know, I understand. I, I, I get where you're coming from, but you understand that Jesus said, if you don't receive him, if you reject him, you've rejected God. You, you know he said that, right? Well, did he, you know, whatever the response, probably incredulous. Did he really say that? Yes. He said, if you don't honor the, father, or the son, you can't honor the father. You can't claim a belief. Peter will say when, you know, if we looked at his letter, he would say it's only through the Messiah, through Jesus, that you believe in God at all. You have no belief in God apart from Jesus. Boy, that, it's, it's very... It's a very solid profession. It's a very important distinction. And so nowhere in the New Testament do you find when Paul is in Acts and he's going to the Areopagus and he says, you guys have a God to everybody. You even have a God to the unknown God in case you missed a God. They have statues everywhere lining the street, a God to everything. And then just in case they missed one, they had a statue erected that literally was a God to the unknown God, just in case. But he says, here's the heart of the Father. You're right. He's that close. He wants you to know him. That's his whole design. But here's how it happens. And he presents the Messiah, Jesus. And and so he didn't coddle all this religious spirituality that they were bringing to the table. But he did coddle their desire to know God to say, and God wants you to know him. And so he introduced them to the truth of that knowledge being given and and received through Jesus alone. So here Jesus says, if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father. Can't be done. And, and, And that who sent him thing is so important because that's the Father's perspective. So he says again, very truly I tell you, amen, amen, let it, this is the way it is. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. You hear what he's saying? You hear my word and you believe the one. What he's offering in me is real. It's life. And if that's who you are, at that moment, you have crossed over from judgment into life. That's why when we see these theological, sometimes doctrinal uh, uh, discussions about God through in Christ putting our sin on him and giving us his righteousness. You need to know what happens in that faith transaction. And this is what Jesus is telling them. You don't have to know all, how it works. You just need to know God said it works. God's the one that says this is the way it is. And so he says, if you believe this one and you believe what God has said, then here's what's now true of you. You have passed over. Uh, uh, Peter talks about it being, and Paul in Colossians talks about the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. We, in Peter, he talks about being uh, transferred from the kingdom of, of darkness, the domain of darkness into the domain of light. This is what is happening. This is what God has promised, that when you put your faith in his son, you're accepting what he says is true through his his proclaimed word, the revealed word of Jesus. It's why it all connects. And he says, you have crossed over simply because you chose to believe him who sent. 
the one through whom it happens. I'm so glad for this because these little arms, mental arms, can't understand all of the things that God is willing to do simply because I take them at his word and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I choose to come to the Father through him because he says I can. That's my faith. So he says, I tell you again, very truly, <laughs> this is the way it is. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. He has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Very important, we could go into a lot of depth here. Let's just say this. All that we are in eternity in this, this idea of judgment, God did not send his son to what? Condemn the world, but to save it. They're condemned already because of their unbelief. This is Jesus saying, all judgment has been given here. When you put your faith in the son, he's, he's extrapolating from that verse that said, you pass from judgment into life. Well, how is that true? Because the Father has deemed that life is offered, and he's offered it in Jesus. So when you put your faith in him, the same flow of authority, you don't have to know how it works. He says it does. And it will be simply, when he comes and he claims his own, they will go. There's not going to be any... How will I know? You know, because you're his already. So he says, that's going to be true forever. And he's going to talk about the resurrection, that, that because he's the son of man, he's taken all of this upon himself. And, and understand, that's what he's referencing here when he talks about the son of man, the Messiah, and what he accomplishes. You cannot bear the burden of your sin. He doesn't ask you to. In Christ, the burden of that sin and the guilt of that sin is removed. If you refuse what God is offering in Christ, you are under the burden of your sin, the judgment of that sin. It deserves death. He, he's taking that for you on the cross. But if you don't accept him, it remains only a gift unopened. Receiving him means that I accept the gift that the Father has given and he's passed judgment on my sin and he wants to give me life. He doesn't want me under that burden. Why do we, why do we, why is it so hard to accept? This is what, this is why the enemy is so busy and so at work with people to delude them into seeing Jesus as something other than the Savior. Anything other. He can be a good man, good teacher. He can be any fit, any category other than the given Savior, the life giver. So he convinces them that, that, that you know, he, all these things are nothing more than religion or he's just a religious figure of the past. He's not the living Savior who died for people so that they can know this relationship with the Father because and that's why Paul said he blinds the eyes of unbelievers so they cannot see the fullness of God's image and his glory and honor in the person of the Son. Boy, it should, should kind of shake us. Don't be amazed at this. He says in verse 28, a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear, hear his voice. And, and they're going to come out, 
Those who have done what is good, they believe, will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. He doubles down on what he started with, which is this, in verse 19. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. He shows him, and the father is at work. He's doing these things. Jesus is watching. He can't do anything by himself. So the judgment, the, the, the whole expression of God's love, this isn't Jesus manufacturing it. He says it's Jesus living in response to as a reflection of that truth, but it's, a, it's just this unbroken flow of truth. I, I know as we go through this, and I, I certainly don't apologize for it because it's part of, it's part of the power of this structure that, that the Apostle John wanted us to see when he shows these dialogues. It doesn't matter who they were, where they were in life, what their social position, the truth remains the truth. God has revealed himself through his son, period. If you want to know the life that God offers you, if you want to know him as your father, accept the son. No beating around the bush. Jesus doesn't, doesn't offer some, you have to do A, B, C, and D. Just says, no, you have to accept the son. That will become abundantly clear as we move through the chapters, especially, again, chapter 6. What must we do to do the works that God requires? There's only one thing God requires. Believe in the one he has sent. So if God only requires faith, and he defines that faith in Jesus, what, what's the holdup for so many people? Why do we struggle against it and kick against that truth and somehow think that it, maybe it's too good to be true. I don't know. Well, I do know. But whatever the reason, Jesus is inviting them back to the invitation of the Father, and he just says, it's about taking God at his word and believing in who I am. And he says, by the way, this is why it's connected. This is why that's, that's sound, and that's why it's good, and and honorable, and, and, and why it needs to be done. We, we live in a time where people want to believe in something, and, and they construct things, and you're like, you hear, the, hear what they construct, and sometimes it's very sad when you hear someone say, well, I've been too bad, I'm, far, I'm way too far gone, and I know, I, I have one person that tells me, I know I'm going to hell, so why fight it? You don't have to fight it. It's already been fought for you. And when I've told him that, and I say, no one's too far gone. Oh, you don't know what I've done. I said, you're right, I don't. I have no idea. I don't want to know what you've done, honestly. I don't want to know where you've been, what you've done. I don't need to. I can tell you it doesn't matter. And unfortunately, so far, that's all I've gotten to say. That, but that was in the golf clubhouse, so a lot of people heard that because he comes in and when he sees me, he tries to put his worst out there right away. Oh, the reverence here. I might as well just get it out of the way. So he says things that, 
you know, he laughs and chuckles, and then he'll say, uh, they, and then they'll say, if he's on, like, playing against me that day, they'll say, well, you need that. You need to play with the reverend. He'll say, oh, blah, 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 blah. And we have, but we have a great conversation, but it's always that. I want to bring them back to the claims of Jesus. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter what they think is too bad. God says it can't be. The only thing that would put someone outside the realm of his grace is to do what? Reject Jesus. That's it. His offer of life in Jesus is always there. There's nothing, nothing that someone can do. So, so have that conversation because that's what I want us to have out of this. I want us to be determined to be, I'll use the word revive, like a revival, that you personally are going, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what those claims are. I want to be able to speak to someone on, on, this, on, on the terms of, what Jesus said is true. And so when someone says to me that, that, you know, this is the way it is, I can say, but didn't Jesus say this? And the reason it will be revival for you is because he then becomes the functioning cornerstone, not just the, not just, you know, the, the image of the cornerstone, not just that, that, kind of place where we say we stand, but, but there's no movement. It'll be a place of movement for you. I guarantee you, you cannot go through, let's say, the book of John and just start looking and writing down. As you come across those claims, Jesus says the Father's always working. He only does that which the Father is doing. That means he stays connected. So he, the Father's working around me. Faith is in Jesus alone. Everything flows through him. You start writing those down as claims. Those become living truth in you and functioning truth, not just dogmatic truth. That's a big difference. It goes when it jumps from here to here and it starts flowing from there. And then you get the opportunity to just invite them to take God at his word. That's what Jesus did. I, I, that verse just hit me. The... the um, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You cross over from death to life. God says that is true of you. That's a great claim that Jesus made. Believe in him and this is your truth. So let's do that together. Let's let these stories speak to us and this dialogue speak to us because, again, if Jesus were still dead... That's all this would be. He's not. We sing, he is coming soon. That's Maranatha, by the way, a, another word of the Bible, Hebrew word that means come quickly, come soon. Lord, come quickly is literally what it means. That's what we sing. We know that he's alive and well. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the risen Savior, so that everything he said he was on the cross is finished, just like he said. So we can present that. He is the covering for sin. He is, at that moment then, the Savior that makes us go from death to life, forgiven, 
And then he is the one that is the expression of that relationship that continues on. The Father is working. Join him in that work. Folks, you know that means we're not going to be perfect, but you're perfectly his because he says so. Trust him for that and then move from there. Let's let that kind of be our New Year's resolution, that growth movement. And Father, may that be a reminder to us that that's exactly what you are giving and offering in Jesus, that we don't depart from that, that he is the stone that many reject, but he is our cornerstone because you have done this. You have said so because you have made that the truth. So, Father, help us then to stand there, but then to also move, to let those words continue to flow through us, to speak to us, and then, Lord, to to be a reflection of your love for others. Help us, lead us, guide us, strengthen us for the journey. As we start this new year, let us be reminded of the reality, the, the in many ways, that simple truth, but Lord, we know that it's not, it is so much, speaks to the depths of who we are, things that only you can do. And so we take you at your word. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for the life we have in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.